Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in to our online affiliates around the world, including our friends at Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. We're glad you all could be with us as well. I'm excited to welcome best-selling author James Earl Hardy to our broadcast today. James is someone who's been able to find success by a book and series that has definitely gotten people's attention, that being B-Boy Blues. He's also now being able to, to live every author's dream and being able to see that being brought to a movie as well. I want to talk to James not only about the experience, but he has an event coming up soon that you all can be able to be a part of as well. James, thank you so much again for the time. really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, round two for us. <laughs> exactly. It is. We, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, James, we haven't talked this much in 15 years. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. It's true. But, but James, you have had such an extraordinary journey. It does not mean, of course, I have not been paying attention or that I have not stayed connected with you. But you've been able to do what really is the author's dream. You've been able to write a book that has resonated with individuals, write a series that people have loved, and now, of course, being able to see that being brought to life, not only on the stage, but also the big screen. Talk to us about that experience for you. What has it been like for you to see the hard work all paying off for you? Um, well, it's it's still kind of surreal. Um, I've literally been carrying around Pookie a little bit with me as characters, uh, for now almost three decades. So um, to see them come to life, <laughs> it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Um, the play itself, uh, the play has really kind of like been a revival meeting for audiences, uh, people who have been with me from the start, who are just so excited. Um, and of course, the movie, <laughs> yeah, um, live and in color, uh, the cinematic. I mean, B Boy Blues was has has always been kind of like a cinematic story, so it it's just natural that it finally found its way on the on the streaming screen anyway. <laughs> right, right. So, James, I have to ask you this question, and it may sound like an odd one, but I think it's an appropriate one. Has it been easy for you to embrace the role of trailblazer? Because that's really what you have become and, and how you were seen because of what you've been able to do and the stories you've been able to tell. Is that something that's been easy for you to embrace? I really don't give it much thought. Um, they say if you're, you're, if you're too busy um, thinking about making history, you won't make it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And um, I never set out to be a trailblazer. All I wanted to do was see a book on a bookshelf that reminded me of myself and brothers that I knew, um, and it literally took on a life of its own. So, um, I mean, it's wonderful being the first to do something like but um my focus has been twofold. One, um, to make sure that the legacy continues, i.e., um, 
the series coming out on audio and being reissued and now the play and the, and the movie and hopefully the series and the sequels. Um, but to, but that other people are able to walk through that door. So, um, because there are so many of our stories that are still yet to be told. So, um, and as Mother Morrison said, if there's a story you want to want to read, you must write it. Right, right. So that that brings up this question then, James. What gave you the courage to write it? I know you said that you wanted to be able to see yourself in a book, but you know, writing something and publishing something is totally different, as so many people know. What what is it that gave you the courage to say this story is bigger than just what I want? That there are other people I believe will want this too. Um. Well, I think the story itself was um, the inspiration for me. Um, and this is the mid-90s, well, almost the mid-90s, maybe like 92, 93, and I was working at Newsweek in the arts department um, as a, well, they called it a research fellow, but it was just a fancy term for intern. And um, one of my tasks was to read books that the editor was not familiar with, and if something came across um, that piqued my interest, to recommend it for a capsule review or even a, um, a short Q&A with the author. And after zipping through like a couple dozen books, I was depressed because I wasn't coming across anything that reminded me of me, that reflected the world that I lived and loved in. And so it finally, I guess that was the epiphany moment. <laughs> It's okay if you want to read that kind of a story, you have to write it yourself. And, of course, I knew nothing about writing fiction, um, but I think that in this case my, my um, experience at the journalism school at Columbia really came in handy because many of the tools that the professors um, gave us um, helped me through the process of writing of getting finally getting B-Boy Blues down on paper. Because I had been, like, milling, milling around a story like it for some time, but I, I never thought I would be the one to write it. <laughs> right. So. And, and I think, too, and you and I had a great conversation on another platform, James, and talking about this. I think the other side of this, too, is that, and, and you said something that to me was so on point, and that was this is exactly as the subtitle of the book alludes to too. It is a love story, and love is such a universal thing. I want to talk about what that narrative has been like for you to see received, because I think it's so easy for people these days to try to put things in boxes and and, and to not feel connection to things. But you have been able to create characters that people have been able to not only see themselves in, but experiences that people can see themselves in. Talk to us about what that's been like for you to see the impact in that way of being a part of conversations that are important. Um, well, I think that as as a writer, um, I approach it as the characters are not defined by who they are. In other words, black, same, gender-loving men, they just are. <laughs> and... And I think that uh, quite a few um, readers who are not black and or same gender loving and or male have been able to latch on to that because, yeah, B-Boy Blue is basically a love story. It's, it, it, this, and this particular 
um, template has been used a zillion times over, you know, or opposites attract and fall in love. It's just that these two opposites happen to be two black men <laughs> from very different worlds. Um, and, and, I mean, just years ago when uh, I oftentimes saw <laughs> specifically the sisters on the A-train, I'm reading Elin in my books, um, it was clear that that kind of like dividing line was falling away because they oftentimes told me, well, you know, I get 40, 50, 60 pages into the book, and I completely forget that it's about two men because I can clearly see myself in this story. I've gone through that. I've experienced that. So, um, And that's really the beauty of literature, just opening up worlds to people that they did not know existed. And those worlds also include, uh, James, dealing with fatherhood, dealing with family, dealing with the events of the time. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. about that throughout the series. So I want to ask you about that part because you mentioned, of course, how this all began, where it was set as far as time-wise. What was it like for you as their story continued to evolve to be able to see how the world was changing around them as they were changing? Um, like with like with the audience, it was really eye-opening for me. Um, when I wrote B-Boy Blues, I didn't – expect, and I certainly didn't plan on it becoming a series. Um, But as most authors will tell you, you create something like this, and it literally takes on a life of its own, and the characters speak to you. (laughs) So I've kind of like just been following them. Whenever they want to tell another, well, another chapter, I go along for the ride. Um, And most eye-opening has been Raheem, uh, the B-boy, He's often pegged um, as being a roughneck, um, a homeboy. Uh, and, and, of course, Raheem, this particular homeboy, um, also happens to be a, a single father. So it's kind of like he's, he has the trappings of what we consider the stereotype, but um, he's so much more than that. And, it's, and I think that, getting behind the mask, of the Raheems of the world and even some of the masks that the Mitchells of the world wear um, because it, as black men, regardless of sexual orientation, um, it's hard to stake your place in this, in this society, in this culture. Um, uh, it just this, this nonsensical um, debate about Jonathan Majors and those pictures he took, you know, it's like emasculate. It's, it's black men should be able to feel, they should be able to cry, they should be able to experience all things that all people, and the B-Boy Blue series has explored that in depth. Um, you see Mitchell and Raheem at their highest points and even at their lowest points too, um, but because they, they got that love for each other and even for themselves, um, they're able to push through. You brought up the, the Jonathan Major situation. We have not talked about this here on this platform for our radio audience or online, but I would like to briefly um, get your thoughts about something with that, if you don't mind, James. I want to first say for those who are just tuning in, he's on the radio side or online. You're listening to conversations live. We're excited to welcome James O'Hardy to our program today. We're talking to him about his best-selling series, but also what it's been like for him to see all of the success he's been able to have and the stories he's been able to tell as well. Uh, the only thing I want to ask you about the Jonathan Major situation, uh, James, is to say, does it surprise you in 2023 
that there are conversations like that still being had, and it almost being like a circular firing squad, uh, being black people having that conversation about black people. Unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me <laughs> because I'm still being asked who the gay rapper is. As if, well, there is a gay, a gay rapper. <laughs> um, it, 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 people really have a hard time letting go of those things that um, allow them to be um, ignorant. Um, and unaware, and it, this is one of those cases where um, folks are, for the most part, projecting and deflecting because you don't want to deal with the world as it is. You want the world to be in a box, too, just like you, because that's what it's all about. It's about p- putting people in boxes, um, and thank God Jonathan is very clear <laughs> about who he is and what he represents, um, and is not going to allow um, outside forces to change that focus, um, right. because it's it's unfortunately very easy for that to happen. And the only reason why I want to ask you that, uh, James, to be honest with you, is because I do see an interesting correlation with the timeline of the B-Boy Blues and this conversation in, in this regard. I, I don't know if there would be so many vocal voices like Jonathan Majors being able to say, as you said, you know, that, you know, he knows who he is. And I, I saw an interview in one interview that I don't think anyone would want to run up on me uh, in, mm-hmm. in the street, <laughs> you know. And, and so I, I think that's an interesting thing versus, you know, maybe in the 1990s, people would not want to express themselves creatively because of the fear of what people may think, right? Would you agree with that? Definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, even even when um, there was interest in a B-Boy Blues film back in the mid-late 90s, um, one of the things most often said was that, well, we don't really think that Raheem should be a B-Boy. In other words, uh, just, just the idea, <laughs> just the idea alone, um, they felt, would just scare away audiences, that they just were not ready. For not not even for the conversation, just for the concept. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, I mean, we have come a long way in terms of kind of like having those discussions, but there are still way too many of us who are are stuck in the mud when it comes to that. Like in both, which leads us your mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which leads us to the conversations that you continue to have today, James. So let's talk about that because one of the things you and I briefly talked about before we went on here is that there is you have an event that's coming up. I want to be able to talk about that. But I want to talk about what it's been like for you to have because it seems like to me, and again, I could be wrong on this, so feel free to correct me. It, it seems as though, and I think it's a refreshing thing, but it seems as though um, the success that you've been able to have has not has not impacted the way you see yourself as a storyteller. Would that would that be a, a, a safe assumption to make? Um, I, I guess I don't understand the question. Yeah, I guess what I mean is there there are people who are not nearly as successful as you are or well-read as you are that have a lot more bravado than you have, <laughs> a lot more ego than you have. 
and I, I guess what my question being that it seems as though you have not allowed all of that to impact what your initial thing was, and that was to be able to tell tell stories. Um, I guess I've always placed Pookie in a little bit in the spotlight instead of myself because I understand um, very much why folks have embraced them and they are so important to them. Uh, I'm just the vessel through which they came to life. And I clearly understand and I appreciate and I embrace um, my place and my status. Uh, but I'm just a boy from bed <laughs> who wrote a book that became a series and is now a play and a movie, et cetera, et cetera. It's, 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 it's always been bigger than me. <laughs> it's it. always been bigger than me. And even and I used to have that conversation all the time um, because the industry specifically would, would oftentimes treat us as aberrations, um, as if there could only be one or two uh, Negro homos in the literary universe. And we understood completely because we had that conversation. We were on the ground with brothers everywhere who were writers. So it's kind of like, well, we're stepping through this door, like I said earlier, and we got to make sure that other people can come through with us. Um, so I've always been clear <laughs> about that um, and, and, never, and never losing focus of that because you can get wrapped up. Um, I know quite a few writers who are very much, you know, they lead with their ego. <laughs> right. And, and, and I just, no, I just, I just couldn't, I just could never do that because I understand what's at stake. Our very existence is at stake. They are trying to erase us all, literally erase us. No, we can't have that. Got you. And so that leads us to where we are now with 2023. I mean, a lot of great things have happened for you, but the conversations continue. So talk to us about the conversation that's taking place. You have a, a virtual event that's going to be taking place. Talk to us about what's coming up on March 10th. Oh, yes. Um, well, Black Gay Stuck at Home um, will be having a virtual viewing and live chat uh, for B-Boy Blues. Um, they'll, of course, be showing the movie. And then afterwards, uh, myself, uh, Brandy Evans um, from um, P-Valley, who plays Mishi in the film, and Landon G. Woodson, who plays Jean, will also be participating. So um, if folks are interested, uh, this is 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it starts um, this Friday the 10th, uh, and you can RSVP at uh, com. So do you see, um, and of course we're going to remind our audience of that website, but do you see these conversations, James, as being a continued, of course it's a great way to be able to spread the word about the film, but do you also see these conversations as an important part uh, of continuing conversations as we wait for you to release the next film? <laughs> the next film you said, okay. <laughs> well, most definitely. Uh, and the conversations never end because, uh, well, 30 years ago I would get letters. Um, people would actually sit down and write me letters <laughs> uh, 
put, put them in envelopes, mail them with stamps of Ella Fitzgerald and MLK Jr. Um, and today it's DMs and tweets and um, Facebook. So uh, the century has changed and the mode of communication has, but uh, the the need for people to uh, be free hasn't. Uh, and B-Boy Blues in many of its in its incarnations um, has, thank God, given many of us exactly that, and and hopefully will continue to. So. Again, everyone, James Earl Hardy has been our guest. You can get the B-Boy Blues series on Amazon, of course. And James, let our audience know how they can be able to stay connected with you. Uh, well, I am Instagram and Facebook, uh, my full name, um, although it's although I think the handle is james.e.hardy.9. Uh, you can also reach me on Twitter. That is James Earl Hardy. Um, and also B-Boy Blues the Film and B-Boy Blues and B-Boy Blues the Play <laughs> have their own Facebook pages. Um, so you can also like those and see what, what's coming up because there will be a whole lot of new stuff coming up in the next coming months. So. Huh. Well, that means we'll definitely be having another conversation, James. Always a pleasure. Glad to be able to catch yeah. back up and, and looking forward to our next chat together. Yes, thank you so much. And More than what? Here's the round three. <laughs> exactly. That is so true. That's so true. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care. <laughs>